Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church Podcast for Sunday, March 5th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Today will be, as we take the Lord's Supper today, um, beginning here today, there will be in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. One verse today. Let me read that verse, and I'll tell you this, the, the title of the sermon. Um, the, <clears throat> it's about the parents of Moses and their faith. And so, I'm not very creative. The title of the sermon, so the sermon is The Faith of Moses' Parents. And so, let me read that verse, and then we'll pray together, and then we'll get started. By faith, and this is the ESV version, by faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with these words just the example of the faith of Moses' parents. And I pray that it would be helpful to us, even as we look to the, the table today, the Lord's Supper. pray the gospel would be proclaimed and preached today, even as we know that Moses and his parents before him looked forward to your promise being fulfilled and all of your promises being fulfilled. And we know that happens and will happen in Christ. So I pray today that Jesus would be more beautiful to us, that he would increase, that we would decrease. I pray that we would see the great weight of our sin outside of Christ and that we would trust him greater today as the one who covers our sins and takes away the the wrath, Father, that we so deserve that fell upon him and not us. Help us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get started, I forgot one more thing. I want to go ahead and announce twice today, for those of you who came in right after, but in two weeks, a week from yesterday, we will be having our first ever, I guess, men's retreat. Uh, Jeremiah is leading that and putting that on. It will be from 9.30 until 12.30. We're going to bring in Chick-fil-A. And so, men, uh, it's, sorry ladies, we'll do this maybe for the ladies another time, but it's just for the men and their sons to come along for this time. Eat breakfast before you come, but we're going to have a, a Muslim evangelist who's going to be coming and speaking to us for about 20 to 30 minutes of that time, um, and, and just to encourage us and help us think about what's going on around us. And uh, then we're going to spend some time praying and fellowshipping and hanging out, and then we'll have Chick-fil-A for lunch. So from 9.30 to 12.30, two weeks from this past, from yesterday. So with that in mind, now let's move our minds back over. In our text today, we have a beautiful story about the faith of of Moses' parents. And it was, if we think about the book of Hebrews, it was written to those, those first generation Christians who were coming out of Judaism and, and Mosaic law, and they were being 
persecuted greatly. So some of them were turning to go back to the old system. But the writer is saying, the, the, the pastor here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't do it. If you go back there, there's no sacrifice for sins. But Christ is that once for all sacrifice. And they were being encouraged with the example of Moses' parents to endure. And we need endurance today, this week, next week, next month, with everything that's going on in our lives. We need to, to press on by faith in the promises of God. And so these words are for us. It's our example today. So with that in mind, I have three truths and then some applications. Um, and I know my last couple of sermons have been very much, much longer on paper. Today you'll be a little bit shorter today, but we will at the end read our covenant together. But I have three truths about <clears throat> faith that we can find from Moses' parents. And then I'll try to apply those. Well, here they are. The first thing that we learn about faith is that faith knows that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. So that's number one. Number two, faith. This is the most simple one. This is the point of the, all of Hebrews 11. Faith trusts God's promises. And then number three, faith causes us to live differently than the world. And so let's begin with the first truth. Faith knows that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. So what God says, what God promises, will certainly come to pass. We, we can be sure of this. When we look back to the book of Exodus, <clears throat> we think about Moses or his parents when they were there, when Moses was born. In that particular time, considerable amount of time, more than 300 and some years had passed since Joseph had passed. If we go back to Exodus 1 verse 8, <clears throat> the text tells us that there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And there was great turmoil in the nation there, particularly among the Hebrews, as they were becoming more numerous and more powerful. And so the king of Egypt, he said, he was thinking, you're so numerous and so powerful if another enemy comes in and attacks us, then you might go and you might join our enemies and we can be overthrown. And so he was, he was scared. So he gives orders that all the male children be killed, hoping that in a generation with no males, then, the, then, the, then that, the Hebrew nation would be finished and they would cease to be a people. So with that in mind, what, we know the story of Moses' parents. What happens? Well, those particular midwives at that time also did not follow the, the king's or the Pharaoh's law. And in the midst of all of these things and all these difficult things, the Hebrews are multiplying. And so as Christians today who have the word of God, who know the promises of God, should we expect anything less? If we go back to God's covenant with Abraham, we see the promise of a great land. We see the promise also that there will be many descendants. God will multiply Abraham's children. If we go back to Genesis 15, God tells of a time to come. And here's the promise. Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. So here we see 
God giving a prophecy, a promise, that this will happen, okay? And so <clears throat> he says, Abraham, know that people will go down to Egypt and they will be mistreated, but I will bring them out as a big nation, a great nation. And then we follow with Abraham and then we follow with Isaac and we follow with Jacob. We see the family grow and prosper. <clears throat> and then God says in Genesis 46, fear not to go down to Egypt. For I will make you a great nation. He, I mean, he says that there to Jacob as, he, as the, he sends his sons down to go get grain there. And Joseph ends up down in Egypt. Now, so when we come to the time of Moses and his parents particularly, <clears throat> we do not exactly know, we aren't sure exactly how God spoke to Moses. I mean, excuse me, to, Mo, to Moses' parents. And so we don't know exactly what they knew. Uh, or how they found out, and there's a lot of speculation here. But we know that by faith, do you, does anybody remember Moses' parents' names? Jochebed and Amram. We don't know how they heard exactly, but we know that they knew God had promised to do something. And they knew that they eventually would be made into a big nation and they would come out of Egypt. And they knew that God's plan would stand. The same is true for us. No matter what change we have in our government or what change that comes in our authorities, whether it be local levels or higher up levels, the gospel of Jesus Christ will go forth and will change hearts and will change this world. Churches will be planted. People will, will get saved. A lot of good things will happen. And it may seem... Now, I think about our own culture here and how, what we're going through now, but particularly in the past 30 or 40 years, we, and even now, we have lived in a very peaceful time, really, for Christians. Um, we're starting to see, I think, a little more persecution comparatively if we compare to the past. But we've lived in a time of great peace. We do not know where we will be because if we were to go to, you pick a country and talk about what Christians are going through there, and you pick another country, you might have a completely different circumstance. Wars come and go. <laughs> Governments come and go. We all live at different times in different places. And so we have a very, very different perspective on things than, than other Christians in other places. But we know by faith that God's promises will come to pass. And we can trust them because God is working His plan. Here's some verses that might help us just be encouraged today. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Job 23, verse 13. But God is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. Isaiah 14, 24, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying that my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Brothers and sisters, we who live by faith, the promises of God, 
looking unto Christ, we know that God's plan will stand. Here's a couple applications for us before moving on. First application, sometimes or oftentimes God's timing is strange to us. Moses' birth came at a time of, as far as he, the Hebrews were concerned in Egypt, when all, the, all these kids, all these young male children were being killed, this was a time of great crisis, but yet he is born right at the peak of that time. Exodus 1, 12 to 14 says this, But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. So do you see God working there, carry out his plan? The more they were multiplied, the more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and in brick and in all kinds of work in the field. Moses was born at that time when to them it seemed like the country was going downhill for sure and their culture was going downhill and they were at danger of maybe not becoming a nation there. But Moses was born at that time and it's often God's way and his plan to show his strength in our weakness at a particular time I think of Abraham offering Isaac he was he at the end of his life he's coming to an end he's seeing lots of these promises being fulfilled and then God says go and sacrifice your son or I think of times with Elisha and the and the chariots of fire around the city you know, when God destroys all of those Assyrians at one go, at a very difficult time. You can read the Old Testament and even the New Testament, even as some were in prison and then as people, God's people prayed, they were released from prison. So many examples we can have. But oftentimes, the, the special grace and special help of God doesn't come until we are, we are hanging at the end of our rope. And God will show himself great and powerful in those times. But in all of these times, God's timing is always right. And when he works in such ways, it's always to show his power in our weakness. I mean, I can think of some of the best stories I've heard were when people were very sick. Or great turmoil is going on in a family or in someone's Life, But yet God shows himself so faithful and he does that in our lives. And, and at the same time, his timing is often surprising, though, to us. He often brings us to very hard places before we see his special grace. And I'm grateful because I know myself. And as we sing, I'm prone to wander. And sometimes I wander and God brings me back. And so God often works at those times. Another application. We, as Christians, people of faith, need to be content in rich or in poor or in great or not so great or in sickness or in not sickness. We are to be content in peace and in war, whatever the situation is. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. We have no problem with that. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. So that's one truth about 
faith. God is working his plan. His counsel will stand. Second truth. Faith trusts in God's promises. Now, this is the obvious point, and we're going to repeat this week after week after week because we need to hear it every day and every week that we come together. Here we see the great act of faith with Moses' parents to hide this baby boy. In verse 23, here in Hebrews 11, we read that Moses was hidden for three months by his parents. I mean, right in the text, why? Well, it says that they saw that the child was beautiful. Your translation might say proper. So we have, they saw that the child was beautiful or proper. And so therefore they, they hid him. So the immediate reaction of us and me reading this text is that the parents saw this physically beautiful little child. And because he was beautiful, they hid him. That's that seems to be the way the text, when I read it first, I thought, wow, why would they see a beautiful child and then hide him? I mean, what if he weren't so beautiful? Why would they, would they not hide him? You know, and so I'm wondering about this translation. So I did a little more thinking and did a little more thought on this translation. And uh, um, I don't think it comes down to Moses being a beautiful boy for the reason that they hid him. It was because of Moses' parents' faith. Um, because beautiful here goes way beyond appearance. Um, if we move forward to the New Testament, um, Stephen, when he, right before he's getting ready to get killed, <clears throat> during his speech to the Jews, he says something about Moses. He said the reason Moses' parents hid him was because he was beautiful in God's sight. That's Acts 7.20. It can be argued that that God sometimes uses physical appearance. With King Saul, he did. He was taller and more good-looking than everybody else. David was also very good-looking as a king. We see that. But <clears throat> that is not the way that God works. God works through faith. God looks on the, the heart. And so there has to be more to it than they just saw that he was beautiful. I believe that, that Stephen shed some light on here that he was beautiful in God's eyes. In other words, they knew by faith that this son, when he was born, what was going on? Again, we don't know how they were told or if they were told exactly, but they knew that by faith this child would, something was going to happen with this child at some point. And so they went against the king's orders and they hid Moses. And so, but if we go back to Hebrews 11, look at verse 1 with me point of their hiding the son is not his beauty, it is their faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What was, or the substance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. They knew that God was going to bring, make, keep this people, bless this people, and maybe through this son, this boy Moses, something was happening. But they trusted in God's promises and by faith that is why they hid him so an application for us no matter what is going on in life there is always a simple trust in the promises of God when I look at my own life and when you look at your life and you see your deficiencies I see my own sins I have so many of them you can come live with us for a week and for a couple weeks or a month and find them out and so would you, if we look at our own families, and I look at my own life, 
I see my own sins. I see my own struggles. I tend to, to, to actually repent of one sin. And then the next week, I find myself doing the same thing again. And I struggle. I struggle with, with doubts. I have, I have fears. My sins are ever before me. And I think it, if you're listening to me, you're in the same boat. And you're saying the same things. And so as I look at my life and I think about the promises of God, the most pressing promise is not that God would deliver me out of Canapolis or Landis or for them out of Egypt. The most pressing promise is that God would deliver me from my sins. And that is what really the picture of Exodus is. God delivers them from slavery, from bondage in Christ what does God deliver us from? Our sins. And so this is why we remember the cross of Christ today as we take the Lord's Supper. And it is not only that God will save us from our sins, He will also carry us through this life, take us all the way down, down the future road to heaven. He will lead us there. He will resurrect our bodies. He will also recreate a new heaven a new earth and by faith now through the power of the holy spirit we, what do we do as christians we hold on to christ we believe in him and so as we observe excuse me observe the lord's supper how often do we do it monthly but until when do we do it do we stop we don't stop until he comes so the patriarchs back with Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, they all look forward, but we look back. We look back upon the person and work of Jesus. And for now, we live by faith, faith in God's promise to save. And there are many more promises for us in the future as well that, that are coming. And there are promises that come down that will come down today and tomorrow that come down to us through Christ. Matthew 28, 18. Here's our marching orders. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, what do we do? Go. Make disciples. Teaching them, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then he says at the end of that, and I will be with you until when? To the end of the age, to the end of the earth. This means that his promise is that he will never leave us nor forsake us now he will not Hebrews 13 5 <laughs> he will not leave us nor forsake us did you know that also he promises to hear your prayers in Christ John 14 13 Jesus says whatever you ask in my name this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son so he promises to to hear our to hear our <clears throat> our prayers he also promises to to Take our burdens upon him. First Peter, I used to quote this often when I first became a believer. First Peter 5, 7, cast your cares, cast them upon him. Your fears, your anxieties upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. There's so many more promises. But we as Christians, people of faith, we trust in God's promises. Finally this morning, third truth before we take the Lord's Supper. Faith causes us to live differently in this world. This comes out about every week in every sermon because Hebrews 11 is full of 
people's lives who live differently than the world. We see this in Moses' parents. What did they do? They disobeyed the governing authorities. They disobeyed Pharaoh. To hide Moses went against the law of the land. Now, personally, I can't imagine giving up my child. We can't imagine, but I'm sure that in that time, there were those who obeyed that out of fear, fear for their own lives, fear they may be thrown into prison. And we don't know how much they were enforcing that exactly. We're not told. But I imagine that that was happening. And so Moses' parents had that decision to make. What's going on here? So they did not obey the governing authorities in, that, in this regard. <clears throat> Even though they may be thrown into prison or <clears throat> persecuted or prosecuted for breaking the law, whatever, we don't know. But we know that what causes Moses and his, <clears throat> excuse me, Moses' parents to hide him is faith in the promises of God. And they knew if they were to get caught, they would have to suffer the consequences. So, so they made a basket, they put this boy in it, and they sent him down the river, and they disobeyed. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly to obey the authorities that God has put over us. We could read Romans 13 and other places. The general, I'm not going to get into a sermon on that at this particular time, but the general rule here is that as long as the governing authorities are not telling us to go against something that God commands, then we are to obey. That's the general rule. Now, I know there, there are gray areas um, for sure. I think as COVID brought out in all of God's people all over the world, and especially when we consider the, each individual conscience, for sure, in each individual circumstance, which as a church, when these things come out, we need to, to weigh them and decide what is wise and what is right. But everything is not always black and white. But the general rule is when, as long as the government is not telling us to go against God's command, somewhere in Scripture, against our conscience as well, of what we believe God's command to be telling us, then, then we should obey. And at the end of the day, as people of faith, we make different decisions than the worldly culture around us. Even if at times we must disobey the authorities. Now I think of a, uh, just an example. When we lived in Russia, it's many years now, it's hard to even remember some of these times. And I've told this story before, but not, maybe, not, maybe not from this perspective. But after we've been there for uh, eight years or so, and, and then we came back here, then we decided, hey, we're going to come back to Grace as, as the pastor here. And then we went back for a few months. Well, while we went back, there was this young Muslim mullah, this preacher. Um, he was out from way out in the village. And he was there, you know, practicing his faith. He spoke five languages, highly educated, did very well. Because usually, in the, even in those small villages, they're taken care of very well if you're the Muslim preacher, pastor. And, well, one of my friends in the same church, he was giving gospel tracts out to all of the surrounding regions. And so this gentleman was about eight hours away. Well, the gospel tract made it to him somehow in the mail, and he got it, and he started reading. 
And so he inquired, what is this? And so he ended up sending a letter. The gentleman that I knew ended up sending him the New Testament, because that's all that had been translated in that language at that time. And this man, he at first secretly became a Christian. And he started teaching from from the Old Testament in, in Arabic there um, that they had. And he started, then he started teaching from the New Testament in their local language. Um, and it, I don't know how long he stayed there, but it was not very long. But I think up to about six months, they figured, what is this guy teaching? That just goes to show how unclear some of these villages out and how much religion is mixed, even in these Muslim cultures. But he was teaching Christianity because he... He had been changed. He had believed what he had heard in this gospel tract. Well, after about six months, he was kicked out of his village. And, even his, and, and it was, got to the point to where they, they, he said, yes, I'm a Christian. But yet he hadn't been baptized. And so, anyway, he came back to the big city where there are lots of Christians. And I've told the story before. That was a gentleman that was baptized in the river that, was, that froze the next day. And so he was baptized, froze the next day, went back as a baptized believer in Jesus Christ. And he was kicked out of his village. His family disowned him. I think I've heard that he has some relations with them now. Since then, he's gotten married and has kids. He's in a bigger city. But uh, even up to this day, he is still professing his faith in Christ and still living differently. But the point that I, that, that I think we see here with Moses' parents is that he did what was very different from the world. And so do we. And so my question is, what would make this man live like this and give up all of that that he had with his family, his village, his profession, I mean his, his profession for sure, and then his confession as a Muslim? Why would he do that? Because of his faith in the promise of God, particularly in Jesus Christ. He realized when he read that tract, and if we go back, and I go back to my own time when I was converted, it was very much the same. This man had learned through that tract and reading the New Testament that he was a sinner. He learned of God's great love for him in sending his son. He read of the cross of Christ, that Jesus bled and he died on the cross taking the wrath of God and then taking his sin and as the Bible says, throwing his sin as far as the east is from the west. And he read that Jesus had, had risen from the dead and by faith he made those decisions to follow Christ and to move away. And as I've heard again, he's still doing today. So for us, why do we live differently and, and what decisions do we make that distinguishes distinguishes us from the world uh, think about it from children look up here at me if you're if you're children and, and you're and you're listening look up here at me for just a minute why do your parents raise you differently than other families i think of particularly teenagers why you've often said mom and daddy why are you asking me to do this all of my friends are going a different way. I think about husbands and wives. Why do we take a different view on marriage than the world takes? 
Why do we honor the marriage bed? Why do we believe that we must be faithful one to another for always? It's because we're, we're, we're Christians. We live by faith. I mean, I would ask employers, why do you treat your employees differently than, than, than why do you treat them differently as a, from a different boss would? Or, you know, why do we do the things that we do? Why would you or we not cheat on our, on our tax returns? And young men, when someone is looking at their phone and you're in a group with, of young men, especially young boys, young teenage boys, young men that are, that are younger, and there they are looking at something on their computer, on their phone that, that you know you shouldn't be looking at. I mean, why would you not? Well, if your heart is bent towards the world and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to have anything to do with that. But why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, why would we as a church send someone to the ends of the earth to share the gospel with someone? Well, on and on we could go, but it is because we live by faith. At the end of the day, we do things different, and we believe that all of God's promises are found in Christ. So one application before we take the Lord's Supper this morning. Here's, here's an application. Know that the world will stand against you when you try to live differently than they do. And when the world stands against us, against you, as you try to live differently, they will not understand. They will think, though they may not tell you to your face, but they'll think that you are a little bit crazy for believing the way you believe. And they may even listen to a sermon such as this, which people can do, then go online and listen, such as this, that I'm even, even this application right now, and they may listen to this preacher and listen, listen to the words, and they may think that, that what I'm saying is also crazy. I don't know how many times. Have you ever heard that from, from the world that Christianity is the problem of this world, that Christianity is the reason why we have all the wars, or at least religion in some way, but Christianity in particular, that that these are the reasons we have all the, the problems in the world because people like you telling me what I should do and how I should act and what I should believe. I think, again, lots of things there. But the point for this application is that the gospel of Jesus Christ divides. We are different from the world, and the world doesn't like it. If you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. I'll close us out here. Matthew chapter 10, <clears throat> verses 34 to 39. This is, these are the words of Jesus. And again, let me reemphasize the application and the truth here. Oftentimes, becoming a Christian... It will bring peace to the heart, always, but oftentimes it will bring strife and not so much peace otherwise. Verse 34, Jesus says, Do not think <clears throat> that I have come to bring peace to the earth. <laughs> well, 
we know that from one perspective, he does come to bring peace on the earth. And he does bring peace in the hearts of those who have faith. But in this perspective, he said, I do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And this is the same man who told uh, in the garden, told Peter to put down the sword, right? He said, this is not my way. And he says, I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. <clears throat> In your own households, I don't know, maybe you've seen that or found that to be true. If you've become a Christian, then even those of your own household, of your own faith, think you are crazy, and, and it brings great strife. I think we can all attest to that in some way. Maybe not in our immediate, maybe so, but it definitely as our family goes out, that's what we see. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And then Jesus says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life, will, <clears throat> his life for my sake will find it. Brothers and sisters, being a Christian oftentimes will cause great strife in your family and in, certainly in this world. We must know that the world will stand against us in the way that we live and the things that we believe. Our lives are different and if they persecuted our Lord, they will persecute us. Jesus says that. We may live through times of peace, or we may go, go through great times of persecution. I don't know. God is in control of all of that. But through it all, those who follow Jesus and live in godliness will be persecuted in some way, shape, or form, <clears throat> and will not find, well, we will find the peace that only Jesus can give, but it's a different kind of, the, the world does not have the peace of Jesus. And so, with that in mind, as we summarize this sermon today and think about the Lord's Supper, and think about and remember what our Lord does, excuse me, has done for us, we must, let me just summarize, one, God's counsel stands forever, so that's what faith says, God will do what He says. Two, we live by faith in God's promises. And three, our lives are very different than the world. So with that in mind, I'm going to turn our attention now to the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you want to turn there with me. I'm going to read verses... 23 to 26. And then after I read that, as we further apply our, our truth that we live differently than the world, I'm just going to read, we're going to read our covenant together. And so Pam will have that ready as we just think about our own lives. As we come to the Lord's Supper, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. And so our covenant is a great means that God uses to keep us accountable, to think about how we are to live together. 
And so, let me read verses 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And then if we were to continue reading on there, he talks about what's going on in, there, in that church in Corinth. And he talks about them, to, he tells them to examine themselves in the way they are living. And so with that in mind, Pam, if you want to go ahead and pull it up. So I'd like for everyone to, to read it with me. I'll read it and you can follow along. And uh, I'm not going to comment on it to, anymore, but we'll read that and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. But this is our church covenant, ways that the one another's and the ways that we have covenanted together as a body to live together. So let's read together. Having been brought by divine grace to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we joyfully and with the utmost seriousness now enter into covenant with one another as one body of Christ. We acknowledge our dependence upon God in the Bible and that we constantly need the assistance of the Holy Spirit, especially in fulfilling this covenant. Now, therefore, in the presence of God and by His grace, we commit ourselves to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We will walk together in Christian love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We will pray for one another, serve one another, giving preference to one another in honor, and seek after that which is good for one another. We will bear one another's burdens in all humility and accept one another as the Lord has accepted us. We'll affectionately care for, watch over, and faithfully admonish one another as God gives us opportunity. We will strive to live as Christ in the world and denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We will seek to fulfill our calling to lead a holy life, to be salt and light, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will guard our tongues, not speaking evil or complaining against one another, avoiding all gossip, not lying to one another, but instead speaking words that admonish one another. We will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but faithfully attend the church's meetings for corporate worship, prayer, study, and fellowship, and will use our spiritual gifts for the common good. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We will faithfully participate in the ordinances of the church and endeavor after unity of mind in doctrine. Submit to the church's discipline upon ourselves and lovingly assume our responsibility to participate in the discipline of other members as taught in Scripture. We'll abstain from all practices which bring unwarranted harm to the body or jeopardize our own faith or the faith of others. We will practice personal and family worship to train our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We will be witnesses for Christ, seeking the salvation of our family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and acquaintances in all the world. We will, when we move from this place, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant 
and the principles of God's Word. As we take the Lord's Supper today, as we normally do, we'll go you know, row by row on each side. I'll have Blaine come up in just a moment. But I want to just remind us that the Lord's Supper is for Christians. And so if you are a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're visiting with us, we do have open communion. Um, but if you're not a Christian, we would ask you not to take. But if you are a believer you, <clears throat> and you're not under discipline from another church, then feel welcome to come. If not, then just sit right where you are. And so with that in mind, let's just take a moment of silence and then I'll lead us in prayer. So Blaine, if you want to go ahead and make your way on up. Heavenly Father, thank you for, again, this time that we can come together briefly on this Sunday morning and just remember particularly the death of our Lord who took our sins upon Himself, took all the wrath that we deserved upon Himself, and He did it willingly and joyfully. And that is why He came. Father, that is why we have the Incarnation. The Lord Jesus came to die. As the Holy Spirit told Mary, you will have a child. You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Father, today we remember the body and the blood of our Lord shed on the cross. That our sins might be taken away, that your wrath might be removed. And we don't ever celebrate without knowing too that he rose from the dead. And he conquered death. And he lives forevermore. And he sits at your right hand. And we do this in obedience, Father, until he comes. And we know that these elements are, these are, these are real elements. And by faith, we take them. And as these elements go down into our bodies and we digest them, Father, it will help our bodies physically. So we must... Feed on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And we know that we need Him greatly. I pray that you would speak to us <clears throat> as we take. Increase our faith. May Christ be more beautiful to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church china grove to find us you can also find us on apple podcast search grace baptist church china grove you can also join us at the south row and ymca 950 kimball road china grove north carolina we meet on sunday mornings at 9 30 for fellowship and service starts at 10 thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week